You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Today's the last Sunday of this series, Life in the Holy Spirit, and everybody said... Somebody said amen. Everybody said, oh, come on, make me believe it. There we go. We'll work on it some other time. But hey, today's our last day with life in this spirit. Throughout this series, we've been recognizing that our time with the Holy Spirit was never meant to be just spent on Sunday and then us go on living on our own power throughout the week. That would have been a good time to say amen. But we recognize that the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is not a moment on a Sunday, but it is a lifestyle in which we are called to. The Holy Spirit is who gives us empowerment to face Monday. How many of you love Mondays? Mm -hmm, Two of you, and we provide counseling for those kinds of people. But the Holy Spirit was meant to empower you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and throughout the rest of the week. The Holy Spirit is meant to be a part of your lifestyle and not just a moment on a Sunday. But today I want to talk about this one word, anointing. Would you say that with me? Anointing. A couple weeks ago, I was at a, a conference for uh, Assemblies of God pastors, and I remember this, this, this pastor stood up, and he was from Texas, and I don't know why everything sounds more anointed with a southern draw, but it just does. And I remember this guy from Texas, he stands up there, and he says, you know, it gets real quiet, and he says, church, it's time for us to re-engage in the pursuit of the anointing. It's time for us to re-engage in the pursuit of of the anointing. And when he made that statement, I just felt like this wave just washed over me. I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, that's it. That's the key. If you're looking for the key of what is going to turn our country around, it's a church that is seeking and operating in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I hope that by the end of this service, y'all are waking up just saying, turn to your neighbor and say, you look fantastic this morning. The reality is this, is if we're going to go after the anointing, for some of you husbands who are like smiling right now, you're welcome for the extra points. If we're going to go after the anointing, we have to understand what the anointing is. The origin of the anointing is that uh, this oil was, was used by shepherds for the protection of sheep, right? Some of you know this. It's all right. And so the shepherds would just slather this oil all over the sheep's snout to keep them from any kind of bugs, insects, lice, whatever it may be. And and during this time, it was a sign of protection upon the flock. And there used to be this one, this one disease where if a fly got in the in the snout of, of a sheep, it would kind of do this disgusting thing and lay eggs. How gross, right? Have fun sleeping at night. 
And so this, this disgusting infection would happen, but if the anointing was on this, this sheep, the oil is what I'm referring to. If the oil was on this sheep, it would prevent this from happening. And I find it very interesting that this disease was distinct to a fly, and another term for Satan is called father of the flies. And if we could sit here for a couple extra moments, say if I had a little bit of extra time, I would talk about how we've allowed the fly, the enemy, up into our minds to do whatever he wants because we haven't been operating the anointing but that's a sermon for another day. From this moment, when the shepherds used to slather oil upon the sheep's snout, it became symbolic of blessing and protection and ownership from the shepherd. This practice enabled the sheep. It protected them. It gave them favor as they went about their regular daily lives. In the New Testament, the Greek word for anoint is chiro, which means to smear or rub oil. By implication, it means to consecrate for office or religious service. During biblical times, people were anointed with oil to signify that God's blessing and calling is upon their life. The person was anointed for a special purpose. A mandate was placed upon them. Responsibility was placed upon them to be a king, a prophet, to be a builder for God's kingdom, and so on and so forth. It signified that this person is chosen, that God has given them a mission. He has given them a purpose. A God-sized calling has been placed upon them. They are supernaturally protected. They are supernaturally empowered. They were supernaturally protected from anything that the enemy may try to do in and through their lives. The very meaning of the word Christ is translated anointed one. The anointing is a very important topic. Now, I want you to pause and think how many sermons over the past couple years have you heard about anointing? It's something that we don't talk about anymore. And I have to ask the question, do we still believe that God anoints his people? That God still protects and has called all of us? The reality is this, is that if you call yourself a Christian, you are anointed. I want to say that again. If you bear the title and the lifestyle Christian, you are anointed. Can I hear a good amen this morning? First John chapter 2, verse 20 says this, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. In biblical times, people were anointed with oil to signify God's blessing and calling on their lives. Anointing is so incredibly powerful and important in the Christian life. It is so incredibly uh, powerful that it is mainly described as a supernatural event. A person that is recognized as anointed in the Old Testament that I first think of is, has got to be Elijah. God used Elijah in incredible ways. As a matter of fact, still today in different prayer circles, you'll hear people say, Lord, would you give me the anointing of Elijah? God used him in incredible ways and provided for Elijah's needs in incredible ways. Elijah was a prophet, meaning God's mouthpiece. He had incredible encounters with God. He traveled to and from specific designated places where miracles and signs and wonders would follow. Elijah was also known as one of God's boldest prophets. How many of you love a bold person? 
He was known as one of God's boldest prophets. God used Elijah as an instrument for miracles. And something incredible happens in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19, which is where we're going to be spending a majority of our time this morning. And in this event, Elijah passes down, to a degree, the anointing to a man named Elisha. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21 says this. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then threw, or excuse me, Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah, saying this, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them, and he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. I want to discuss four major things that just happened in this scriptural passage. Four major things that apply to us today. The first is this, that we have to take note of, is that Elijah allowed Elisha to feel the Lord's anointing. Elijah allowed Elisha to feel the Lord's anointing. And 1 Kings 19, 19 says this, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with the twelve oxen. He himself was driving the twelfth pair. And here it is, the passing down of the anointing. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. This symbolized the anointing that Elijah carried. The moment that Elijah put his cloak around Elisha was a moment of of revelation for Elisha. When he put his cloak on him, it symbolized that Elisha would be the next one to carry God's anointing and do the work of the Lord. So I asked this question, church, what are we handing down to the next generation when it comes to the church? What are we handing down to our children when it comes to the church? Are we handing down to our children an exciting lifestyle empowered by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, conquering giants, going and doing the work of the Lord, seeing the bondage of sin broken, or are we handing down an establishment full of business principles and a couple moral teachings? I'm worried that the next generation is being passed down the latter. Because I don't see a church today handing down anything that has to do with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't see a church handing down anointings. We're handing down a church of entertainment industry with business models rather than a supernatural model. And I believe that in these last days that God is calling and challenging the church to hand down, to engage in the anointing and hand the anointing down to our children. Again, when every night during my, my daughter Cadence's bedtime, we go through our Bible verses and we pray together. And every night I just, can I, can I, be, can I be honest with you this morning? There's a part of me that battles fear. When I think about her, my innocent, beautiful little girl who has never done anything wrong, stop it right now, perfect in all of her ways, beautiful little cherub, 
And I think about this innocent, beautiful girl growing up in this dirty, corrupt world. There's a part of me that fights fear, where I just go, God, things are bad now. And I have to fight this fear, and I'm, I'm just kind of overcome with this thought of, what am I handing my daughter that is equipping her for the battle ahead? And I can't help but feel like, church, what's going to get cadence through those difficult, challenging days is the anointing of God, His protection, His favor, His wisdom. That relationship where she can hear the Holy Spirit, contrary to popular belief out in the world around us, God still speaks. And His Holy Spirit is still communicating to us. If you and I hope to have a fighting chance, not only for ourselves, but for our children, I have to ask the question, and please ask this to yourself, what are you handing down to your children? What are you passing down to the next generation? How are you investing in the next generation? Elijah, he was handing down an exciting life, a life full of miracles, a life of extreme personal closeness and relationship with God. But here's, here's what I'm getting at this morning, church. So Elijah was handing down the anointing, something so extravagant, something so, so special. But here's my concern for the church of today is that you cannot hand down what, that which you do not possess. We can't pass down what you and I ourselves do not possess. If we do not have the anointing, if we are not engaging and seeking God's provision, if we are not seeking the anointing of God, you and I most certainly can't pass it down. We must teach a generation to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit that they live a Holy Spirit-empowered life under the anointing of God. And I promise you that towards the end of this sermon, we're going to talk about how we can have the anointing ourselves. The second principle that this scripture teaches us is this. Elisha sensed the anointing. He felt the anointing. So Elijah walks over and throws his cloak around him. And in that moment, there's something so incredible that happens where Elisha all of a sudden looks at Elijah and says, okay, I'm ready to leave. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go tell my family, bye, you wait for me. And I, I just picture Elijah just kind of grinning and being like, what did I do to you? I didn't compel your heart. I didn't say anything to you. And I just can't help but wonder what was going through Elisha's mind in that moment when he finally realizes what I just felt was the anointing and presence of God. Elijah explains to Elisha, the feeling that compels you to run after God and leave your family, it isn't me. It isn't anything I said or did, but it's God and God alone. You sense the anointing of the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. Here's my point, church. People will sense God's anointing in and through your life if you learn to walk in the anointing. If you and I walk in the anointing of God, others will sense it. Others will be touched by this Holy Spirit empowerment and favor. 
I think back to, to a story that I just recently heard from another pastoral uh, a friend of mine who he talks about this one day in, in church. You know, it, it, was, it was just a really good service, really good worship, and he's sensing the anointing and he's sensing the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit tells him this message. The Holy Spirit says, there's somebody here who's going to kill themselves today and you need to speak to it. And this pastor goes on to, to tell me, he's like, and, and man, I, I was nervous. Because if you're going to make a bold statement like that on a Sunday, friend, you better be right. And so he's standing there and he sees a, a woman who was kind of late to the service in the back of the room sitting there. And he felt like the Holy Spirit said, that's her. So he asked the congregation to bow their heads and close their eyes, just kind of like how we do in Pentecostal churches, am I right? And so he's, he's standing there and he says, you know, there's somebody here today, you have a plan, you've been contemplating suicide and you've, you've come to the decision that you're going to do this today. And sure enough, he says, you know, would you make eye contact with me? And that woman looks up at him. And he says, ma'am, you have a plan? Says, yes, sir, I do. You're, you're really going to go through with this? Yes, sir, I am. But now here in this moment, God is proving to you that he is real and that he loves you. And she says, yes, I do. He says, would you like to enter a new relationship with him? Yes, I would. Well, come on up. And this woman receives Christ Others from the church, I love this bridge between, you know, this decision to come to know Christ and the church surrounding her and supporting her, this decision. The others in the church kind of gather around her. She had a firearm and gave it to one of the men who was equipped to handle a firearm, and he takes it from her, and the rest of the church kind of gathers around her as a support system, and sure enough, she goes on to serve the Lord and do incredible things. That is a moment where the Holy Spirit changes everything. Now, the story gets even more interesting considering this. This woman arrived at this church by mistake and was planning on going to another church that does not acknowledge the existence of the Holy Spirit. What would have happened if she went to a church that wasn't Holy Spirit empowered? What would have happened and in some weird theological disagreement or misunderstanding, I don't know, but the church of today, we don't see the Holy Spirit as necessary or important. We kind of see it as like the cherry on top of the cake. Like, hey, if it's there, cool. If it's not, you know, whatever. And in this situation, we literally have life and death that is riding on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I remember again, whenever I was a youth pastor, attending this convention. It was so funny before service, talking to, to, to Joe, he and I both have some youth ministry experience and he and I are talking. I said, do you remember how every convention and every youth camp used to talk about the anointing? He said, yeah, I do. I'm like, how about those altar calls, right? Just incredible times. And I remember in one service particularly, Hershey Giant Center, it's youth convention, thousands of teens in this this guy is preaching about the Holy Spirit and the anointing and about a generation that needs to come back to know Jesus. And I mean, he is preaching fire. This guy just awesome, wasn't aggressive and abrasive, but just sound doctrine. And it was resonating with the students. And out of an arena full of thousands of teens, you could have heard a pin drop. And he's halfway through his service 
very just strong anointing coming off of this pastor. He's halfway through the service, and all of a sudden, students by the hundreds start standing up out of their seats and going down to the altar. And as youth pastors and youth leaders, we're kind of looking at each other like, what do we do with this? Like, he never said this was okay. And so it starts with 10, it starts with 20, then hundreds, and next thing you know, thousands of students are walking down to the altar, and he never gave an altar call. And when we talked to the students and asked them, why did you do this? Every single one of them said, there was something inside of me compelling me that I needed to get down there and get right with God. Students, pornography addictions are broken. Drug addictions are broken around this altar. Healing takes place with students who come from broken homes. And we're seeing God move in an incredible way through the anointing and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Friends, again, my point is this. People will sense God's anointing in and through your life when we learn to walk in His anointing. We have to stop trying to force people to feel conviction. That's the Holy Spirit's job. We have to stop feel, I feel like in the church of today, we have this misunderstanding that if we can get people to just be good, right? If they can just act good, then we'll be good. But the problem is, is that you can still be a good person and not be right with Jesus and still spend an eternity in hell. Our primary concern has to be the salvation, absolutely, but also the work of the anointing in the Holy Spirit. If the world turns around in our lifetime, it won't be because of the church market. It won't be because, let me, let me, let me clarify, it won't be because of the church marketing schemes. It won't be because of clever programs. It won't be because of witty Facebook posts, glory to God. It won't be because we were able to get a few people to behave well. If our country and our world turns around in our lifetime, it will be because of nothing that we've done but everything that His Spirit has done. And it will be because the church has learned to allow the Holy Spirit to simply show up at our services and move. Lastly, number four, Elisha was willing to leave everything as a result of experiencing the anointing. Worship team, would you come? It's amazing what people will give up once they sense the realness of God. I want to say that again. It's amazing what people are willing to abandon once they sense the real authentic presence of God. In this moment, you have to understand, Elisha, we can assume, comes from wealth. When we hear about the work that he's doing and the work at, on his, his parents' farm, so to speak, and we can assume that Elisha came from wealth. And in one second, in one instance, Elisha senses the presence of God. He senses the anointing that Elijah carries. 
He senses this for a split second, and what's his response? He immediately looks at Elijah and says, I'm going to leave everything that I've ever known, my occupation, my passion, my home, I'm going to leave all of this behind me because I want to pursue the things of God. Elisha in this one moment is so impacted by the anointing and presence of God that he's willing to forsake everything he's ever known. Can I tell you that still today, the anointing is flowing freely and abundantly so much so that when people sense it, they are willing to leave their sinful lifestyles behind and everything that they used to to value for a new set of kingdom values. They're willing to leave back their addictions, their brokenness, whatever it may be, whatever sinful lifestyles, because they sense the real, genuine presence of God, and they can never be the same again, just like Elisha. The presence of God is still compelling hearts, church. Come on, somebody. The presence of God is still drawing mankind to the heart of uh, the heart of the Father. This is what the anointing is at its core. This is what the anointing does. It draws men to God. It causes us to recognize how meaningless worldly goods and riches are and it causes us to recognize how meaningful the things of God are. We as a church, we as God's people must recognize this first so that we might introduce others to what we possess, and that's the anointing of God. As a church, we must re-engage in the pursuit of the anointing and the Holy Spirit. moments like this where I ask God not to tell me to say certain things. I'm not trying to preach a sermon series that's in the weeks to come. I'm standing here because of godly masculine men that carried the anointing that took me under their wing, my father being one of the most influential men in my life, who took me under his wing and taught me what it is to be a man and a godly man and a masculine man. And as weeks go by and Sunday services go by, I can't help but notice things. Nine out of ten times, whenever we have an altar call, it's the women that respond first. That whenever we have a time of prayer and we say, hey, you know, walk in that authority of praying out loud, it's the females that I can hear. The men are quiet. And I have to pause and ask, where are the godly men who are walking and seeking the anointing? Where have they gone? 
and we look around our society and we, we look at how, how it, it continues to just go downward. And I, I just believe that the next revival and the restoration of our country is, is dependent on fathers being present and fathers being a godly example to their children. Ladies, I'm not trying to be offensive. The role that women play in our lives, let me first, let me say this. Women do things that men can't. My wife does things and accomplishes things that I can't, and I do, and I accomplish things that my wife can't. It's why marriage is so beautiful, because we come together and we accomplish things that the other spouse cannot. There are roles, both equal, both valuable, but they're different. And I believe that God is calling church, and this is specifically for the men, challenging you. Are you raising your family in the ways of the Lord? Are you standing up for righteousness and making sure that the enemy doesn't have a foothold in your household? And I just look around our society and I believe that our society has become weakened because of weak men. And I believe that God is calling and challenging this generation. He's calling you, every man in this room, to battle. Spiritual battle. And you're not going to win and fight this battle on your own power. I don't care how many guns you have stored up at your house. I said it. I don't care how much ammo you have stored up. You're not going to fight Satan like that. You're just not. But I believe that God is calling the men of this church, of this house, to spiritual warfare. And men, it's time to pick up your swords. It's time to pick up the mantle of responsibility and say, yes, Lord, I will. And walk in godly masculinity and walk in godly responsibility and walk in the anointing. How do we get the anointing? First, this is quite easy, I promise you. You and I have to hunger and have to have a desire for the anointing. You and I actually have to want this. You and I actually have to see. And I'm not saying you and I stand back and we debate and go back and forth and go, I don't know, Lord. If this is going to make me forsake everything, you just let him compel you of that. Don't ask questions beforehand. Just say, it's a simple, it's a simple question. Do you want God's way? Do you want your way? nothing more, nothing less. Do you want your way? Do you want God's way? It's so simple, and yet we have men and women by the hundreds of thousands in our country are saying, I'm going to try it my way. I think I got this. God has so much more for you than anything that you could ever come up with. There has to be a desire to encounter God, and you'll sense You'll sense that encounter emotionally, spiritually, physically. You'll sense it. Secondly, you and I have to seek the anointing. It means that we make time. It means that you and I are willing to step out of our comfort zone. And dare I say, it means that you and I, men especially, that you and I are willing to walk along or with another brother in Christ and say, brother, I'm struggling. I'm weak. Ladies, same thing. Moms, some of you guys, the warriors in this room of moms, I just, 
But we have to be willing, men and women, to go to one another and say, I'm struggling. Would you pray with me? And in those moments, when you and I step out of our comfort zone, holding on to our pride, holding on to our comfort, when you and I sacrifice those things, even in moments where you and I are saying, can you pray with me over this need? I promise you, you'll sense his anointing enter the situation and circumstance. And lastly, if you would stand with me as we close. You and I have to submit to the anointing. If you and I are going to posture ourselves to hear from God, we must also posture ourselves to be obedient to what he has to say. The anointing and presence of God calls us to a higher standard, and it's beautiful. I just had a discussion with a, a gentleman this past week. He said, listen, pastor, I, I get these mental images of a better me. He goes, there's moments of prayer where I, I see myself, but, but I'm not cursing. And I see myself and I'm not getting drunk anymore and I'm sober and I'm happy and I'm living to this standard and I know it's a new me. What is that? And I remember smiling and just saying, brother, it's what David experienced. When David was anointed and he, he earned the title king, David knew what a king was and it was a higher standard than a shepherd. And I can't help but assume that David knew and had a mental image of what a king is. And he knew that he was a shepherd and there were levels to go in order to arrive at where God was calling him to be. This young man, I stood next to him and I said, that mental image that you just received, I believe wholeheartedly that is the Holy Spirit and putting an image of a better you, a more righteous you, a more anointed you. He looks at me and he goes, well, what do I do now? I said, now's the most difficult part. You submit and you engage in battle. And every time you're tempted, you give the enemy a heart attack. And you call on God for his help. And when you're confused about the low standards that you've allowed your household to run at, you rebuke those low standards in Jesus' name and you seek the anointing to enable you to have a higher standard in which you live with your family. And he and I began to process this together. Friends, I just believe that men, in the next couple moments as Mike and the worship team leads us through a couple more worship songs, we're going to do something. We're just going to we're just going to open up our calendar for a little bit. That's why this sermon is a, a, is somewhat abbreviated. Go easy on me, okay? As we've said over the past couple weeks, this space here represents the altar, which is symbolic, just like the anointing oil here is symbolic of what we believe God is doing internally. This area here is symbolic of a place of sacrifice where we say, God, not my ways, but your ways. Men, can I tell you that I believe some of you here today, you have these mental images of a better you. Ladies, same thing. I believe that you have these mental images that the Holy Spirit has given you, where maybe you're doing ministry. Maybe you have the fruits of the Spirit in this mental image where you're happier, you're joyful, you're patient, you're kind, and you 
see this and you're like, God, I don't understand. Can I tell you that that's the anointing calling you to a higher standard? Just like Elisha had to leave everything he ever held on to behind him, that's God calling you, saying, just step out of this and trust in my ways and you'll become this righteous version that I'm calling you to be. And I want to be clear, you and I never attain righteousness, we pursue it for the rest of our lives. We never attain righteousness on this side of eternity. And secondly, you and I never seek the anointing for our own benefit. I just want to preface this moment with this. We never seek the anointing to say, I'm hoping, pastor, to level up today. Level 10 Christianity, come on! You and I seek the anointing out of submission and obedience to God, recognizing that it's who he is calling us to be. Why do we need the anointing? For the sake of your families. Why do we need the anointing? For the sake of your church. Why do we need the anointing? For the sake of our state and impacting Lehigh County. Why do we need the anointing? For the sake of our country. Why do we need the anointing? For the sake of our world. The Holy Spirit was never intended to be a moment in time on a Sunday morning. But you and I are called to walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and so on. Would you bow your heads with me? So here's what we're going to do. This is quite simple. As we make it a common practice here, if you're new with us and this is outside of your comfort zone, it's okay. There's no judgment here. We're all in different places spiritually growing. It's all good. But we make it a common practice to lift our hands as an outward sign of surrender. And this outward sign is symbolizing what our hearts are doing. So I'm going to ask this morning, if you are ready and you say, you know what, Pastor, I'm, I hear about the anointing, I'm ready. I want the anointing. I want, I, I want to understand the calling that God has placed on my life. Would you just lift your hands towards heaven in this moment as a sign of surrender? I'm going to pray over us and today we're going to have one of these moments where I'm not going to officially end the service whenever you feel led to leave go ahead and leave there's again no judgment but I want to I'm going to pray for just a second and I'm going to let it hang I'm not going to say amen and as you feel led please know that the altar is open but friends if we are going to posture ourselves to hear from God. We also have to posture ourselves to be obedient to Him and the standards and lifestyle that He's calling us to. Lord, I pray over every raised hand, Lord Jesus, that the Elijah, Elisha anointing would just be made manifest in this house today. God, I just pray that your favor would rest upon your church. Jesus, I pray right now, Lord, for any strongholds that have taken root in our lives, that we have welcomed it. Lord, we recognize that you are the ultimate gardener. 
and you cut off things that are not bearing fruit. So would you cut these things off of us this morning, Jesus? The things that have taken precedence in our lives that have no kingdom value. The things that have taken us away from you rather than drawing us nearer to you. Would you perform a surgery, a pruning right now in Jesus' name and cut those things off. Grab them by the root in Jesus' name. Lord, specifically over the men this morning, I feel compelled that you are calling a generation to be raised up, godly, righteous men who will speak on behalf of the weak, who will take a stand, who will walk in your wisdom, who will balance masculinity and gentleness, who will balance toughness and gentleness, Lord Jesus. I pray that right now, right here, that revival would start to take place here at Crossroads Community Church. Lord, I pray, I specifically feel led to pray healing over every mom in this room. I believe that this is a time where mom, have got, mom has just been beaten and thrown down. And so, Lord, I just pray healing over every woman's life here today. You would raise up a generation of godly women. Lord Jesus, help us to be obedient. As you call us out of our comfort zones, we recognize that you're faithful to meet us there. Jesus, we want your anointing, Lord. We want your favor, not for our own benefit, but for the sake of becoming who you're calling us to be, for the sake of our families, for the sake of our country, for the sake of the broken world around us, Lord Jesus. We ask for your anointing. emotionally, maybe even physically, you'll start to sense that loving hug from the good, good Father. He'll start to speak to your heart where you'll have these ideas that go against what your flesh says. He'll start to give you a higher standard, a higher sense of responsibility that He's calling you to, a higher sense of purpose. Lean into that voice. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.